welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. Each episode will have a different theme, and we'll talk about things that help to bring that theme to real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the heart or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. This episode is about two different things, speed bumps and parades. And they make sense in a way to talk about together. And there's a little bit of a, there's a smidge of contradiction um, that I haven't totally resolved yet, but maybe we can make sense of it together as we travel through this. All of us have wise bears or Jiminy Crickets or Sam's like as in Frodo's Sam, people like that. People that whisper to us along the way and point at things that make life better and more articulate. People who get us and get our things. My friend Erica is like that for me. And I don't see her all that often because of kids and and miles in between us and busyness. But as I continue to sift through my life lessons and offerings for these weekly podcasts, I realize how many expressions that I have that she has either coined herself or she's been present when I have coined or she's been witness to in some way. Both of these two things that will help this week, speed bumps and parades, are from her stack of words that I've adopted and built on top of. So thank you, dear friend and fellow wordsmith. She is also the smart human that gave me the word understory. Okay, speed bumps first. Speed bumps are helpful in a couple of ways. And the first way I want to talk about it tends to my, my temper, and it's a little bit more obvious. I have a hot temper, though it's not as hot as it used to be. I have certainly worked on it over the years, but it surfaces sometimes unexpectedly. (laughs) Um, Mostly, when I've kept track, my temper flares at injustice, either what feels like injustice to me personally or to someone I love or to a category or group of people, too. So... I have reminders in place to throw up a speed bump when I feel that red rising and it starts hot in my chest. And the first thing I do is I walk away from the computer if it's something that's virtually initiated or I walk away from the person if they are right in front of me. And this is a harder one. Because people like you to stay. Matt likes me to stay there, even if I'm red hot. But if I can, I like to walk away and let my brain settle down and find my breath and my feet underneath me. I like to return when I'm, when I'm clearer. And as some of you might know, sometimes with the kind of red hot that comes with 
um, with four-year-old shenanigans, you can't always walk away. So I've definitely learned to find my speed bump internally. And it's just a little time. A speed bump gives the anger time to land. It's not meant to stifle or suppress anger because we know that it gets trapped in our body if we push it down or stifle it. But a speed bump is in place just to let us collect ourselves before we react. It's, it's deep breath and it's letting the defensiveness settle. Some of you that know me well might be thinking, wow, Buffy, you are not very good at this. <laughs> and you would be right. This one is tricky for me. And I'm not even close to the end of my learning on this. Because while I understand the concept, it is something I have to constantly work on and manage. Because I can go from 0 to 20 pretty quickly. I can be calm, be calm, be calm, and then shoot to red hot angry. But the speed bump, in theory, allows me to take time to peel myself off the ceiling and get through the reactionary heat so that I can be civilized. And I actually do think of an actual speed bump in the road. Like I, you know, that feeling where your body goes up and down when you're dry, when you're, when you have to slow down and drive over a speed bump. I try to actually simulate that actual feeling in my body. And that really helps too. And a speed bump always means not responding to a triggering email to a triggering text or phone call that same day. When there is a speed bump, it slows things down. And when it slows things down, it gets smaller and it doesn't rush through my blood as fast. It feels like I get some perspective and can react in any case with more power and less frenetic or desperate energy. And I think I've mentioned this at some point in another episode, maybe, but some wise soul or therapist once told me to use the phrase when I am ready to respond, the story I am telling myself is dot, 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 to preface what feels like the injustice. It helps. It, it, it's not something I always remember to do in the middle of the red hot But when I do, it helps. It allows the other person to course correct and say, no, that's not what I meant. Or, yep, that that is what I meant. And then we can look together at that red hot place and tend to the flames from that intention. And it just gives the whole situation a fighting chance instead of throwing gasoline on top of it and turning your back. Young Pueblo, who is a writer that I really love, who has these little um, concentrated, potent quotes that are super healing, says, giving yourself the space and time to respond instead of reacting blindly is an important way to reclaim your power. Okay, speed bumps part two. 
There is a more subtle way also that speed bumps can be used. And I'm also not great at this version. <laughs> um, but again, still trying, still practicing this. This is, uh, this is the part of speed bumps that is just standing still and allowing somebody to fill in the blanks. Here's an example. So I tell Otis that we have to turn off the music for a little brain space and that we're going to go upstairs and get dressed for the day and brush our teeth. Well, anything right now that involves turning off the music is a landmine for him. And he very well in this scenario might completely melt down and lose control. So I, I'm the recipient of the red hot in this case and I wait I stand still. I don't fix it. I don't offer a solution. I just let the fire rage. I don't fill in the space. I stand still and I model a speed bump. I actually become the speed bump in the room. And I wait. I breathe. And I wait for him to find me and breathe with me. And sometimes it takes him a while but I don't say anything. And eventually he recalibrates and he finds the compass and he course corrects. And then the speed bump has worked and the room slows down. So we go up, we get dressed, we brush teeth and we come back to the music. And I didn't really do anything except allow him to find the road instead of me forcing it. I stand still. And I think that we have to trust people are wiggling through their own thing. And we don't always have to fill in the solution. And even tiny people who seem just cuckoo in the moment, they are just looking around for a map. Another example, I teach a course, as some of you know and remember, called The Understory. And it's all about personal practice and movement and contemplation and meditation. And it's a course that, that is about the underpinnings of yoga. And there's a lot of opportunity and personal growth and self-discovery. So I've been doing this for, for years now. And it kind of um, evolves, has evolved over time and changed a little bit each time I do it. But after the course is over, I always ask my students for feedback. And after one of the first courses I taught, I received some of the best feedback of my entire career. I sat down with my friend who took the course, and she said, Buffy, you have great stories and teachings and so many good things to say, but you have to pause and let it sink in. People's growth and learning will come after the quiet space after your story. And right now, you're just talking straight through that space. You're packing the evening and leaving no air and light for people to percolate and share and process and kind of have their own time with it. She said, give half as much information and twice as much soak time and space. This was a game changer for me. This was groundbreaking. 
for my teaching. It actually was feedback that swept across every category of my life, well beyond just the course that I was talking about. Because I realized I was always trying to fill every crevice with something useful. And I wasn't accounting for this absolute gold that would come from the space in between. The speed bump to let it all land. And the trust for people to discover their own gemstones in that space. And it really means us getting more comfortable in silence and not rushing to the solution or thinking that we are the ones that need to bring the solution. Our true revolutionary moments come in that space. The speed bump after we have read the best book or heard the soaring hero story. We have to allow ourselves to find something in it that feels like ours. And it's sorting, really. Another way of thinking about this is throw up a speed bump when you give something to someone and you're waiting on a response. One time I gave a chapter of my book that nobody else had read yet, and I gave it to my dearest friend, who is also a great editor and and an avid reader, and I waited And I worried because I hadn't heard from her. And I still hadn't heard from her in days and and even a couple weeks went by. And at some point, I was afraid to ask and I decided that she hated it and she didn't know how to tell me and that the chapter was terrible. But as it turns out, she just got sidetracked because she has a really big job and, and she was really, really busy And of course, she has a life other than reading my book. And it turns out she didn't hate it. Um, She really had some beautiful suggestions and there was lots of parts that she really liked. And, And so assumptions get us into trouble. And speed bumps can get us out of it, out of trouble. And so often what we worry about isn't even really happening. It's usually the case of needing to be reminded that the whole world doesn't revolve around us. And energy is currency. And so spend yours wisely today. And speed bumps will help with that spending. And stand still. Allow the information to percolate. If you are lucky, whatever is yours and deserves to remain will rise to the top. Sometimes your speed bumps give you space to pan out and to articulate yourself. And sometimes your speed bumps give other people permission to find their way, to find their I or their why in your story or narrative, like Otis or like your students or like your mother or like your friend who is an addict who doesn't need you to tell him that he's an addict because he already knows. He may need you to stop talking and texting and just leave the space open without remedy for him to find his own map. And sometimes speed bumps just suspend us for some time so that we can consider things more slowly. This is the practice, the most obvious down to the most nuanced. 
Okay, second word, parades. Parades are parties for people. Parades are carrying on, throwing them attention and focus, talking about something they did that was amazing. A lot of times people need you to talk about something longer than you want to talk about it. That is a parade. It is validating. Like the birth. Talk about the birth, not just the baby. Talk about the mama's journey, not just how cute the baby is. The movie, it took your friend five years to make. Parade worthy. Long parade. Longer than it takes to watch the movie. String it out. Talk about it more than twice. This is salve for this person's soul. Or just something someone did to survive that was really tiny, but you still, you saw it and knew it was a good thing. Throw that parade. Sometimes I just need a parade when I have a day that includes a shower and no meltdowns. Parade that. So the origin of this for me, again, comes from my friend Erica, and we call her E. And some people are, are better at throwing parades than other people, and E is exceptional at throwing parades. And she really needs a good parade pretty often. And how this all started is that she is not afraid to tell you that this is what she needs. And this was key learning for me. I would see her tell her close relatives and the people around her, hey, I need a parade. I've even seen her say, I need a longer and more lavish parade than that, than what you're doing. <laughs> she would finish a dance performance after months of hard rehearsals and long, long hours and she would say ahead of time, I'm going to need a big parade for this. I need you to go on and on. And, you know, I, I, this was, like I said, this was big learning. And I really liked that, that she would be so specific. So before I met my husband, I had already been to parade school. Matt is amazing at a lot of things, but parading is not one of them. But he does really listen to me when I do parade prep. And I'm honest beforehand. I will tell him that I need a parade. And while it's not the most natural thing for him, he pulls it off. <laughs> he even now will like pretend he's, he's um, got a trombone and kind of march around. And he's pretty silly about it. And I, I, I think that it might not be natural to him because he doesn't really need parades as much as I do. He thinks they're nice. Like he, he's, you know, like smiles when I give him one. But they don't feed his soul in the same way. His love language is not words of affirmation like mine is. But it's an active and a live conversation in my household. And everybody's getting better at parades, including my children, uh, because it's something that I think is just a really sweet and valuable way to take care of your people and to ask for what you need. And, and you might wonder here, is the parade authentic if you have to be told to throw one? Well, 
It's debatable, but I'm usually at peace with it, even if I give the first nudge. Because once I do, it leads to a really sweet morning or conversation or recognition that something was a way bigger deal than someone thought. I don't just sit there wishing for a parade when the day is going on as usual, because that, of course, leads to resentment. And we don't want resentment lingering around in our body if we can help it. And I think that asking for what we need in the rare case that we know exactly what we need is a perfect thing. Because requiring that people who love us read our minds or guess the exact science of our longings, that is lonely and it's overrated. It's not romantic, but instead it usually feels like a desolate planet. And what about when speed bumps and parades intersect? I worry, and this is kind of a silly thing, but it's just something that it has, um, has occurred to me, especially this year, I think, because I'm communicating more virtually. But I worry sometimes that when I'm writing someone a text that there won't be enough hearts or exclamation points or love thrown across the exchange to express how I really feel. And I usually go overboard to drive home the parade, even for the smallest things. And I taught myself sometimes because when something big really does happen, I have usually over-paraded the small things. So then when the biggest parade-worthy thing happens, there's just not enough emojis. And so I wonder if maybe I tone it down and give more space in my responses and save some of the sugar and speed bump the parade a little bit. I don't know. I'm undecided, actually. Is there such a thing as as too many parades and too much sugar so that it means less after a while? I'm kind of living in this question and and definitely taking feedback (laughs) from you. So write to me. And as far as each other, I think we have to keep pointing to the way that's helpful. I will keep asking Matt for parades, and I'm sure that he will keep reminding me to speed bump. And we'll make it. All of us will make it. I want to leave you with a morsel of Walt Whitman's Song of Myself, which was my dad's favorite. And this is a really sweet and... um, beautiful piece of this epic poem. Each man and each woman of you I lead upon a knoll. My left hand hooks you round the waist. My right hand points to landscapes of continents and a plain public road. Not I, not anyone else can travel that road for you. You must travel it for yourself. It is not far. It is within reach. Perhaps you have been on it since you were born and did not know. Perhaps it is everywhere on water and on land. Shoulder your duds and I will mine. Let us hasten forth. 
Wonderful cities and free nations we shall fetch as we go. If you tire, give me both burdens and rest the chuff of your hand on my hip. And in due time, you shall repay the same service to me. For after we start, we never lie by again. Thank you so much for listening to Things That Will Help. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, there's information on the show notes that guide you to be able to do that. Um, It's a very small ask, and it's something that definitely directly contributes to the production of this podcast. If you haven't already, um, rating and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast are all things that really super duper help me as well. Keep this little adventure alive for us. And um, that's it. There's always a playlist that Matt makes to go along with each episode. He doesn't always get it exactly the day that that it drops because usually that's the day that he listens to it and then starts to um, put together some music for it. So usually towards the end of the week, you'll see that show up in the show notes. Take good care. Take care of each other. And keep looking for the lighthouses. Have a beautiful day.